Hey, everybody. Thank you for coming back to In the Beginning Podcast. My name is George Graham, your host, and I'm here again today with my friend Jose, and we are talking about the authority of Scripture. And normally we've been doing these in slightly uh, bite more bite-sized pieces, but I couldn't figure out a good place to cut this one. It's a little bit, little bit more than an hour long, but uh, I hope you enjoy it. We are discussing the theology of Andy Stanley and his compromise on the authority of Scripture. Uh, I hope you stay with us through this whole thing. If you like it, hit that like button and subscribe, uh, share it with some friends, and uh, yeah, let's get on with the video. All right, so we're continuing our conversation in regard to the authority of, uh, of Scripture. And so we've been talking about uh, Bill Johnson and Andy mm-hmm. Stanley, and one of the things we're going to do is we're going to get into a little bit more. So we've been, in the last couple episodes, we've been talking uh, mostly about uh, about Bill Johnson, mm-hmm. and now what we're going to do is uh, we're going to get into some, some of the recent issues that have come up with uh, Pastor Andy Stanley. Now, if you're not familiar with Andy Stanley, he is the pastor of North Point Community Church. I think, believe it's in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. He is Charles Stanley's son. Um, he's been pastoring for a long time. Uh, he's, he's got the second largest church in the United States. Um, and over the last several years, there have been a lot of concerns uh, yes. raised about some of the messages that he's brought, some of the things that he's written, he's written some of the things that have, have come up in uh, conferences and things. And a number of years ago, I, I, I started – I was – in the group sounding the alarm going, whoa, hold, hold on. This right. is something's really, really wrong here. Um, but the same thing that happens with most discernment movements is that the first people out of the gate tend to be the ones that get resisted first. Oh, yeah. And then all the people who are doing the resisting show up later and they're like, hey, how come no <laughs> one told us about this? And the rest of us are going, hello. Tried. Yeah. <laughs> That's because you don't listen. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so I started. Um, I mean, I, when I first started, uh, 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 when I first got into pastoring and uh, taking taking Bible classes and things, you know, we got assigned different Andy Stanley books. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think like the Seven Laws of Teamwork or something like that. I can't okay. remember what they were, um, but uh, you know, and some of the books, the early books, I found very useful. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I started. I got a hold of uh, Deep and Wide. And I started reading through that, and it was like it's like one of his flagship books. Okay, and I read a couple of things in there about you know paying uh, paying um, uh, secular musicians to come in and play on the worship team because mm-hmm. he wanted to raise the caliber of the music and stuff. And I, I, at that point, I started going, um, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you justify having someone playing, you know, Margaritaville at a bar the night before? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, how great is our God <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the, next the, the next day? And I'm like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, and then um, we had uh, John and Andrew Eastman up once, and they were talking oh, about yes. a church that they were at in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And uh, during their setup, they were uh, they were seeing the uh, uh, the worship pastor at that particular church teaching the secular musicians how to look like they were worshiping. Oh, boy. Yeah. And uh, that's when you start to realize, okay, that's how they're doing uh-huh. it. That's how this is happening. Someone is instructing these people 
on what it means to look spiritual. Oh my goodness. You know, here's where you raise your hand. Mm-hmm. And of course, these guys are getting paid every week. Sure. They don't, they don't give a rip. Right. You know, they're just, they're just like, sure, I'm going to pretend I'm a Christian, you know, because mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's going to make them ever want to become a Christian. Oh my gosh. Uh, it gets, it gets really, really insane. And, uh, I started, started seeing more and started, started getting more into his messages and, and, and actually paying attention to what mm-hmm. he's talking about. Right. Because there are people who are very good, um, religious social engineers. Oh yeah. And that's probably Absolutely. where I would put put Andy Stanley. I would mm-hmm. not put him in the category of a pastor. I would not put him in the category of a theologian or even a Bible teacher. Okay. He is a re- he is a religiously based social engineer. Mm-hmm. Um trying to get people to almost almost in the same same uh same direction as a uh uh oh gosh, I, I'm going to forget his name. Um the smiling preacher. Um Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen, thank you. Um, you know, it's funny that you knew just <laughs> Mr. Sparkle, um, you know, it's kind of that same thing, how to live, you know, how to live your best life now and how to, how to do good. And there's nothing necessarily wrong mm-hmm. with those messages, right. you know, how to think positively about yourself and mm-hmm. how to get along with, with people in your, in your, in your, ab- in your neighborhood, people who don't believe the same as you do. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that until you call it the gospel. Yes. Now, now you're creating a problem mm-hmm. because you're saying that this is what God is actually after. Right. And that is, it's just not true. No. So I started paying much more attention to what it was that he was, that he was preaching. And what I ended up doing is I, I had to get rid of his books. Wow. You know, I got rid of his books. I mm-hmm. could not recommend him anymore. Um, I knew people who had gone down to his conferences and stuff. This guy's amazing. And, and you, you have to, you, you step back and you, you got to ask him, you know, so you realize that, um, uh, I knew someone who went down and we're going to learn about their youth ministry and stuff like mm-hmm. that and asking him, did you, do you realize that the, the, they're on their staff for their young adult ministries, your youth ministries, their kids' church and stuff are are openly homosexual couples. Mm-hmm. That's not true. That that that's that's not that that that, that can't be true. Right. It's all of a sudden it's Luke Skywalker. That's not true. <laughs> that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, what did I just do? Oh, there, there I am. There we are. Oh, I'm trying to use the mouse on this computer. To do something over here. <laughs> How's that working for you? Because I'm stupid. <laughs> um, that is just ridiculous. Uh, okay, so um, I'm going to put a uh, screenshot up. This is a screenshot mm-hmm. of um, Debbie Cossey. She is the director of North Point. Actually, I'm just going to put it up and I'll read it to you. So she is the director of North Point Care Ministries, um, which directs people to uh, an organization that uh, is is homosexually affirming. Mm-hmm. Now we're not talking about being critical of people in that in that sin. We're not talking mm-hmm. about demonizing them. Right. But we're, so if you're not familiar with the term affirming, what they're what they're saying is that God is okay with this. Right. That that's what that means. And so if you look to the other couple, this is a this is a video chat that they were having. And there's just a screenshot of that. So Greg Johnson uh, of North Point, he's a North Point ministry leader. Okay. And Andy director of Andy Stanley's church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and Debbie Causey is the director of the care ministries at mm-hmm. North Point uh, Church. So he is the director of pro-LGBTQ uh, organization Affirming the Journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what, what they're doing is that they – this is an organization that is, is openly and unapologetically um, uh, uh, gay-affirming. Mm-hmm. Now, some people say, well, what's the problem is? Well, the, the problem is that 
you cannot declare good what God calls Correct. evil. Yes. You, you, you can't do that and mm-hmm. then call it and then and somehow call it charity. Right. You know, and so this is this is the direction that his church was going in. And it started to become even more clear mm-hmm. in, in, in the last four or five years. So what I've got is I've got a series of video clips that we'll play, and then we'll stop it, 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 it periodically. And the first set is a conversation online between Jeff Durbin and Andy Stanley. It's a kind of a debate uh, mm-hmm. because Andy Stanley did this series right. where uh, the, uh, the series, series basically was about unhitching Christianity from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And how the Old Testament is a hindrance, it makes things hard. <clears throat> in one of the messages, he actually says that we should do it for the same reason that the early church fathers did it, because it makes it hard for people to become Christians. And I'm like, that is so not what that passage says. <laughs> not even close. Uh, yeah, not even remotely close. But, um, but for people who don't like standards mm-hmm. and absolutes... And believing that the word that the Bible is the word of God, mm-hmm. you've got to get the Bible out of the way. Right. If if you if you want to be a religious social engineer, you've got to get the Bible out of the way because it's problematic. Yeah. It, it, it creates other <laughs> issues. And so, the first set of videos is is uh, it was hosted by um, Unthinkable uh, uh, Unthinkable podcast, and this is this is Jeff Durbin and Andy Stanley debating the concept of unhitching the uh, the Old Testament from Christianity. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, I can't. We, we can't just take the whole thing. The whole thing was right. almost two hours long. <laughs> and I really encourage you to and, – and honestly, in this video, I will post the link in the, uh, uh, below in the video. Um, I'll also post a link to other uh, other discernment groups that are kind of uh, talking about the same thing. So you can get mm-hmm. a little bit more um, information in this. I don't want to redo what has already been done, right. especially things that have already been done really well. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let's, let's reinvent <laughs> an already inflated wheel. That's going to be great. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so what we'll do is we'll take a look at these, and then we'll uh, uh, we'll talk about what they uh, what is being said here. Okay, so. But in that last section, Jeff was saying, "Hang on." When Paul went to the synagogues, he he showed them that Jesus was the Messiah from the scriptures. And we've got to start with the scriptures. That's why he says you're missing a point there if you think we start with the event. No, we start with the scripture, which the event is, if you like, the fulfillment of. Um, but but then, so so what's your problem with that? And, and if we're not speaking to a specifically Jewish audience, does right. that give us a different reason, a different well, methodology, Andy? I think, again, these are not the Apostle Paul's words, but I think this was his intent. Um, whatever it takes by, I mean, the apostle Paul, these are his words by all possible means that I might win some. So if the old Testament is an on-ramp, great. If the resurrection is an on-ramp, great. If my personal experience is an on-ramp, great. If brokenness and tragedy in a person's life is an on-ramp, great. If a sick child is an on I mean, whatever the on-ramp is to faith, I'm all for it. And, and I, I think we would all three agree with that. And so for some people, the Old Testament is an on-ramp. And I'm not, not, I would, never, of course, never discount that. The interesting thing is my Jewish friends who are Christians, all of them came to faith. Two of them came to faith. All of them came to faith in Protestant churches. None of them came to faith through, a Jew, through the Old Testament as an on-ramp. But I had a professor at DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary, who did come to faith as a young Jewish college student, through the on-ramp of, of the Old Testament that was presented to him as by a Christian. So I'm not, I mean, an on-ramp to faith and recognizing who Jesus is and that 
spark of life that comes to life once they hear and how they're going to hear if somebody doesn't go. I'm a, I'm a hundred percent for all of that. So, um, so again, I, and I think we would all three agree with that. But, so I'm certainly not trying to remove any sort of on-ramp to, to faith for but, sure. But, okay. So that's the first piece of that video. We're just going to kind of keep going on with this particular right. clip. So at, at this point, I don't have a problem with what he's saying. So far, so good. Yeah. Anything that is going to lead people to Christ. And the question mm-hmm. is, what, what does he mean? Uh-huh. What does he mean by Christ? And so, we're, and when we're talking about evangelism, of course we have to use different methods mm-hmm. oh, yeah. to, uh, to catch people, you know, to, to get people interested in the gospel because society changes. Yep. Life changes the, the way that we, uh, the way that we do business as the church, the way that, you know, the method, the method changes. The right. message, the message never changes. That does not. Um, but now the question is, he, uh, an interesting thing he said there was, who is Jesus? Mm-hmm. As long as they understand who is Jesus and, that that creates a question. Now, as we yeah. continue on, be thinking about that and asking yourself while he's continuing, is he talking about the biblical Jesus mm-hmm. or some other Jesus that, that we don't know anything about? Right. And does he ever explain what, <coughs> what Jesus is or who Jesus is? And I think you're going to find the answer is mm-hmm. no, he does not. But what I'm getting, though, is that in your view, for a post-Christian society where there may be very... You can't start with the Bible says the Bible. I mean, you can. The Bible says the Bible says the Bible says. But here's the thing. Everybody else now knows what else the Bible says. It's So now I'm beginning to spit and match on the six-day creation, young earth, old earth, Levitical law, homosexuality. I mean, it's like, oh, gosh, you know, the issue is who is Jesus? That's the issue. And if you get that straight... The dominoes start falling in, um, you know, good directions for the most part. Okay. <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> He's disconnecting Jesus of the Bible from the Word of God. He's <coughs> making up a Jesus that is not Jesus. Yeah. So... Do everything you can to introduce someone to Jesus as long as you don't have to use the word, the authority of the word of God to do it. <laughs> because, you know, the, the, so, so tell me what you think about this. The, when he says, if we, we should, we don't have to, we can't say the Bible says the Bible says, because everyone else knows what else the Bible says. It sounds like word soup in a blender he's like he's not saying he's using real words but he's not saying real things <laughs> he's really just kind of i love the way that sounds <laughs> <laughs> he's like shoot from the hip some you, something you use that word i do not think that word means what you think it means <laughs> exactly yeah the this this idea that that somehow having to deal with the rest of the Bible Mm -hmm. is so problematic that it makes ministry like not capable. Mm -hmm. So, so we can't minister to people. We can't reach people. If we treat the Bible as though it's, I I don't know, the word of God. God. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) How, how dare we, you heretic. Right. Uh, But, but the, I mean, the the more I listen, like I'm, I, I just have a hard time understanding when he keeps going back to as long as we can help people understand who Jesus is and who Jesus is. But he never explains mm-hmm. 
who, who Jesus is. And I, I think it comes down to the idea that he can't. Not not in a biblically no, accurate, he can't. Uh, you know, uh, understanding. His, his dismissal of the Old Testament makes it impossible for him to explain who Jesus is, because everything Jesus did was foretold in the Old Testament. All the prophecies given by Jesus were foretold in the Old Testament, and yeah. why Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins is proclaimed in the Old Testament. Yep. I don't know where he's. What Jesus he's talking about if he's disconnecting from the Old Testament. He did a Christmas message where he stated, um, uh, and if I, if I'm pretty sure I have the clip somewhere. If I if I do, I'll I'll put it in the video. Mm-hmm. Where he says that he doesn't even he doesn't care if people want to believe if Jesus was born of a virgin or not, because you know, and he says maybe the disciples made it up to give Jesus street cred. Oh my goodness! He's, he's saying this from the stage, like Christmas stuff in the background, you know. Thank you for saying stage and not pulpit. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a good point there, you know. But he says, you know, it, what's more important is someone who can predict his own death and resurrection, mm-hmm. and then it happens. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure the rest is pretty important. Yeah, kind of huge. <laughs> you know, I mean, call me crazy, but. I'm, I'm relative. You know, I'm you know, I'm relatively certain the whole "he shall be born a virgin" mm-hmm. uh, of a virgin is, uh, is 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 important. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it it, it just gets because then crazy. any any other Jewish guy named Jesus could have proclaimed to be the Messiah yep. if he was born in Bethlehem. Yep, without that virgin birth. Yep, or anyone born in Southern California named Jesus. Yeah, could be. <laughs> right. You know, it's just all you got to do is have the right name and right. just claim it for yourself. Bethlehem, you know? Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh gosh! You are by no no means the least in the Pennsylvania delegation. <laughs> oh man, it gets it gets crazy, uh, and and it continues to get weirder. So let's continue on with the weirdness. The only way we can get there, Andy, is by saying the Bible says. No, we, Bible, we don't have to say that. If I, if I could finish the thought, the Bible says that Jesus rose again from the dead. That's no, how it actually know. doesn't say that. That's how you know Jesus rose from the dead, because the biblical witness gives you that testimony that Jesus rose from the dead. You just changed terminology, which is a very subtle but important shift in terminology. I know. <laughs> so... The Bible doesn't say that Jesus rose from the dead. I'm pretty sure it does. So he's going to get to in, in a minute. He's going to get to his explanation of this because even even the host is like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's how that works. Um, but he gets to uh, he. So in his in his explanation, he's he's going to make a point that is that is actually valid, mm-hmm. but at the same time, remarkably flawed. Right. Okay. Um, he's going to make the point that we should be citing the authors of the books of the Bible, mm-hmm. not the Bible itself, right. because the, the construction of the Bible, in his view, is arbitrary. Mm-hmm. It's just randomly put together by someone, but it doesn't hold the Bible doesn't hold authority in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But if we say Paul says or John says or whatever, um, but now if I take if I take every every uh, uh, legal code for every state in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I compile them into one gigantic legal code. Uh-huh. Do I have to say California said, <laughs> Indiana said, or can I just say the law, the law says? says. 
um, which it's just an it's an insane. It is in in my opinion, and I'll and, and I'll let, let you let you get comment on this. In my opinion, this is insane. Yeah, it is an insane level of thinking. He's double. He's like double speaking. He's saying what is isn't. <laughs> he's speaking to what isn't as though it yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, I don't know. Is it, I'm sorry. He's got to be deceived, terribly deceived, for this to make sense yep. while it's coming out of his mouth. It just, it's just, I'm lost trying to, you know, actually. Can uh, retain what he's saying because it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of someone who's working really hard to try to to find a justification for something in his own life. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I've met I've met a lot of people over the years over there who will bend the word of God mm-hmm. in a way where they feel good about how they are, so they never have to change. Mm-hmm. And it, it just gives me that he he reminds me of someone like that. Mm-hmm. So let's continue on. I didn't. Uh, that Bible is where you get the message that Jesus rose again from the dead. Both no, it's it's not. <clears throat> well, explain so where, that, Andy. Where, where explain you, that. What, it, what do you mean by saying the Bible doesn't say that Jesus rose from the dead? Because the Bible doesn't say anything. John did. Moses did. David did. And Jesus that's in the Bible. Did, Paul did. But it was only in the Bible once it got put in the Bible. Here's the way of thinking about it. That's incoherent. Andy. Well, well let's, no, let's allow it, Andy to no, finish his, his let's allow Andy you, to finish his thought there, Jeff. Yeah, go ahead. You Andy. don't put you don't put something in a safe to make it valuable. You put it in a safe because it's valuable. The New Testament documents were collected and protected and meticulously copied because very early on they were recognized as valuable. And in the fourth century, these pre-existing valuable witnesses and documents were collected and put in a document that somebody, we don't know who, titled the Bible. So sequentially, that's how we got our Bible. And so this is one of the things I argue for in my book. In fact, I've been teaching this for seven years, that when we preach and teach, instead of citing the Bible, we just drop back and say, John, an eyewitness of the resurrection says, Paul, who steps onto the pages of history as someone who hated the church, says, Jesus said, um, you know, we cite James, the brother of Jesus. What would it take to convince your brother who's the son of God? James said, drop back, cite the authors. And again, it, it's just a different way. It's a different approach. And it's and, and, and obviously it's more accurate. And, and, and before you come back in, Jeff, um, you believe actually that this is a more evangelistically effective way of presenting the well, claims as, as well. It is because I've been doing it for years and the you know, I, I hear the stories, read the emails and get the thank you notes. Hey, I finally brought my brother. And, you know, I yes, it's more effective. And, and it's what the early church did. So it's what Jesus did. Sometimes Jesus said the law and the prophets. Sometimes Jesus says Moses. Sometimes Jesus says David. So, you know. My brain hurts. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I see what he's saying, but he's so wrong. To, to say to to take away the authority of the Bible as a whole and to to reference individuals is to remove the authority of the entirety of scripture yep and then if we agree with Paul or if we agree with David then we can say yes but if we disagree mm-hmm. we can say well it doesn't matter it. because it's just them mm-hmm. and obviously you know it was about their time and about their issues right. but it has nothing to do with me no. 
No, no. It doesn't work that way. No, it's 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 amazing to me how hard he's working to take yeah. the authority away from from scripture as a whole, mm-hmm. which is why I think he wants to. Get, he is so keen on removing the Old Testament mm-hmm. because it's it is a roadblock to his personal theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is pretty messed up. It is, you know. But the that idea. I mean, and, and I agree with you. There's a there's a small point mm-hmm. to it, you know. But, you know, if I'm doing 120 miles an hour on a straightaway <laughs> and the cop pulls me over and I say, but there was no traffic. Okay, that, there's, uh, there's, a small, <laughs> there's a small point to that, uh-huh. but it's still stupid. Right. And it's still wrong, you know. But to take away the, the authority of God from the word of God mm-hmm. is, to, to, to me, even in the most casual sense, mm-hmm. to me is unbelievable that anyone would stay at his church mm-hmm. to, to have these views uh and and it, the thing that amazes me is how many people in his own church are not seeing any of this i mean they're applauding it mm-hmm. you know you're so brave this oh, is yeah. so amazing we're going to be groundbreaking in our theology and in the way that we spread the gospel what gospel yeah you know like when he talks of course it's more evangelistic i get the emails and the thank you notes of course you do. <laughs> You're no making one's... everyone feel good. <laughs> you, no one has to repent. No, no. one's going to change. No. You know, of course everyone's, look, I get to go to heaven just as I am. Right. Just like the song, just as I am. <laughs> but he's, he's tickling itching ears. Yeah. He's making people hear what they want to hear. The, the Bible's full of hard truths that even today as a seasoned Christian since the age of 14, now I'm 50, there's still things in the Bible that make me uncomfortable, but I still got to bow my knee. You said you got to die to yourself yep. and, and take up the cross and follow the Lord. Yep. Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what I say. And he is the word from the beginning. I thought that's what we said to Jesus. <laughs> if he loves us, he'll do what we say. <laughs> there are people who actually believe that. Apparently, George. he's one of them. <laughs> exactly. You know? uh, it's it is it's pretty amazing. But but to say that we should, and he continues on in this, mm-hmm. and um, I think in the next sec, sec, the next section, Jeff. Um, so Jeff Durbin is just he just does a great job. He's excellent. And and you can tell periodically the interviewers like. What? <laughs> you know, it's like Andy believes what? Um, you know, and but there's this. Uh, I think in the next section, um, Jeff gives a uh, uh, a rebuke of the of the thinking that's actually so well stated. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you see, I mentioned earlier, you watch Andy Stanley's face at the end. I don't think he realized he was on camera, <laughs> where he's kind of going, mm, "Yeah, okay, you got a point." You know, you can see you can see it in his face. He's like, "Yeah, whatever." Um, so let's let's keep going on with uh, with this. And there's there's a, just a difference in, in perspective here. And this this controversy actually goes back to, to the time of the Reformation in terms of um, is is it the scriptures that create the church? Is it the scriptures uh, that have the ultimate self attesting authority, or does the church recognize and 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 declare the the scriptures to be the authoritative word of God? Which which way are we going? Which part is the foundation? And I think that's that's critical. Uh, we, we would agree Second Timothy three sixteen through 17 says all scripture is theonoustos, it's breathed out by God. So the, the origin of scripture is from God. The Holy Spirit of God carries people along to write what they write. 
And it's interesting. So because, why don't we just cite the me, people that were carried along? Well, let me just let me just point point this out that in in the, the time of the apostles, um, after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, the apostle Peter refers to the writings of the apostle Paul that were happening in his day. And he says in Second Peter uh, three sixteen, he says, uh, talking about things that Paul is writing that are difficult to understand. He says, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is that in the time of the apostles, during the writing of these works, the apostle Peter equates the letters of Paul, the writings of Paul with the other holy scriptures. He's equating the writings of Paul with the mm-hmm. Old Testament scriptures. You're, you're making my point. No, I'm actually going against your point. What I'm saying is that they weren't just writing letters and then the church comes later and says, well, yeah, we recognize that as authoritative. What they were giving was Theonustos breathed out words of God. So what I was saying was, is that you are telling people today that Jesus rose again from the dead because why? The authoritative word of God tells me so. That's where I get it from that word of God. And I think it's important to recognize that distinction is that it is, I think, appropriate, and I don't think we should shy away from this, to be able to tell the world, well, the word of God says. I don't think we should shy away from that. And I think that's one of the concerns I have with this apologetic methodology is Mm -hmm. is teaching Christians to actually um, be afraid to say, well, God says. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is the ultimate concern of many who who would take the view that Jeff does that right, that, that right. If, if the Bible is true, uh, inspired, uh, a living word, we should be able to stand on it and preach from it without having to kind of bow to the the neutral ground, as as Jeff puts it, of of you know as though as though we're we're, we're required to but do it's, that. It's not incorrect to say the Apostle John wrote. It's not incorrect to say Luke wrote. It's not in, it's not incorrect to say the Apostle. I mean, there's. It's. I'm not incorrect. It's just different terminology. And again, whatever on ramp gets a person into the text and keeps the conversation going, I'm all for it. Let, let's talk about um, an on ramp that sometimes puts people off, um, which, which in your view is often is the Old Testament, and it's the fact that we, a lot of people maybe have issues with that and that, that they they don't understand it. There's mysterious. There's bits that are hard to make sense of in today's contemporary culture, Andy. Um, and and this is where I think the a lot of the the debate has revolved around i think we've actually covered a lot of the the underlying issues in this discussion so far but um when it comes to the words of jesus uh, and the way he refers to himself in the old testament uh, he obviously Mm -hmm. says i i didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it um so so to what extent you know is what you have in your mind that idea that the law is no longer um, binding on Christians today that it's obsolete in that sense because a lot of people well, I think have then assumed you're also saying that about the Old Testament the Old Testament is somehow a, a, you know, an old thing, it's obsolete, that we don't kind of need to worry about or think about it anymore Well the word obsolete is, as you know, is not original with me, so I, who would say that? Um, only the author of Hebrews, but anyway So Oh my goodness Obsolete <laughs> Uh, so we're going to get to that uh, in a second. He's referring to Hebrews eight thirteen, and we'll mm-hmm. get to that in a second. And we'll, we'll we're actually going to look through the Word of God and and uh, ask ourselves: Is he right mm-hmm. in that? Is that actually what the what the Hebrew writers of Hebrews is saying that the old covenant is is, is obsolete now, or is there something else going on there? Uh-huh. Definitely. Um, but that initial, you know, kind of going back to that same thing. I think Jeff Durbin asked asked the question: 
Is it the church that gives authority to the word of God? Or is it the church that recognizes the word of God as authoritative? Mm-hmm. You know, does, does the word of God need our approval to be authoritative? God help us if it did, because then it wouldn't be the authoritative word of God. If it's us that gives it credence, that's, that's backwards. You can't live like that. I, I like the idea of God having to check with me. <laughs> if only. Yeah. yeah. If only. I wrote this thing 4,000 years ago. Uh-huh. Are you okay with it? <laughs> <laughs> does, this make you, does, does this make you uncomfortable? Do you need a safe space in your, in your church to be, able to, to be able to do this? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, it is, it's mind-bending to hear his – I mean, I love my kids. I have three daughters. Hearing him, argue, Andy Stanley, argue his point sounds like – my kids trying to still get validation, even though they know they're wrong, what they're saying, but they still want some kind of validation is what they're saying. What he's saying is horrible. <laughs> yeah. There it, it's, it's one weird word puzzle after another. Yeah. But, and, and all based around that first premise that, that, that we talked about, uh, I think in the, in the, in the first episode of this, this little, little series of conversations, mm-hmm. Um, in that initial court where he said, where he was talking about that the the, the Bible is not the foundation of our faith, mm-hmm. and that's a core belief of his. Yeah. And so, when you approach your faith as the Bible is not the foundation on which your faith is built, you really anything goes. Mm-hmm. There, there's not a lot that is going to uh, uh, that you're going to have to is going to be hindering to you. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is find something that legitimizes your view. And for right. him. That uh, that passage in Hebrews eight thirteen seems to be this this uh, a big piece of the of le- the legitimacy puzzle for him where he he's right. found some sort of uh, permission right to some let magic go. out yeah exactly see look and so you you look at this you look at this passage and uh, I just need to shut that down and make sure I'm not going to bring that up in the wrong spot so you look at this passage and you start to see. What it is that he is talking about, and I'll put our names back up there just in case anyone doesn't under, remember who we are. Um, <laughs> so, um, so Hebrews eight thirteen says this: uh, in that he says a new covenant, mm-hmm. he has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish. Now, that that sounds mm-hmm. it almost if, confirms what he Andy Stanley is saying. Yep, if you didn't read anything else in the Bible, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> But context matters, George. Context matters, and I have a general rule of thumb whenever I'm teaching someone about, about theology. When you run into something that seem, you seem like you found something new, keep reading, because yep. chances are whatever you think you found, it's not new, uh-huh. <laughs> and chances are you're not understanding it correctly. You just you, you have to read, uh, and the, the way I generally um, uh, look at it is you read 10 up, 10 down, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, typically at that point you're going to get a Puts good in piece proper of context. context. Uh, because like anything else, if you just take a sentence out of a conversation, you can do anything. Oh, absolutely. You know, like if, if there's anything that you want to do in your life uh, and you want to find a way of justifying it, justifying it in the Bible, you can find a verse mm-hmm. that will do it. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, if I want to shove my sword into a fat person, all I have to do is make the hilt disappear. <laughs> See, because that's in the Bible. That's the that's the way that happens. And it should I need to be left handed. Right. There's it's, it's so. <laughs> It's so sorry. It's just a little off, little off topic there. <laughs> There's so many ridiculous things that you can find in Scripture, and and it doesn't mean that God is okokaying them. Right. You know, it's sometimes it's just an acknowledgement of something happened. It's recorded not recorded history, exactly. Yeah. 
And so you get into a piece of scripture like this, and you and you look at it, and you think, ah, there it is. See, the old covenant is now washing away. And what Andy is doing is he is declaring the old covenant, all of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. In one of his messages in the series um, uh, that he did a while ago about unhitching the Old Testament from the Christian faith, mm-hmm. he actually states that the Ten Commandments does not uh, does not um, uh, doesn't have anything to do with us. Okay. So obeying the Ten Commandments has, has nothing to do with us uh, because it was about the Jews; it wasn't about us. Oh. And I'm thinking that is awesome because okay. there are several people I want to murder. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yes. you know, you know what I'm looking forward to: graven images, adultery, yes. murder, and theft. Right. All of the above. <laughs> yeah. Now I can tell my parents off. You know, I can. There's so many things that I can do. <laughs> it is so ridiculous. Can't wait till I get home and I can covet my neighbors' neighbors' possessions. Right. You know? Exactly. I mean, it's so ridiculous to to have that. Well, those are still good. <laughs> it's it's almost unbelievable. Yeah. But because he doesn't value the word of God as the word of God, because it's just a collection of old documents, according yeah. to him, then you get to do whatever you want with it, you know? So the question is, was he right mm-hmm. about Hebrews 8.13? Is that actually what it meant? Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down through, and I'm going I'm I'm to read you chapter 9, or at least portions of chapter 9. And what you're going to find out is the covenant that is being talked about there is the, uh, the, the, the part of the law there is the, is the covenant of sin and atonement. Yes. That's the part that is passing away. Mm-hmm. And it's going to become very, very clear as you read the rest of the text, and as that becomes clear, what you find out is that Andy is not only off, he's unbelievably wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, com- it completely misrepresenting that in the way he applies it. So let's take a look at, at this. So, uh, And I'm just going to read down through here, and then we'll, we'll deal with the rest of it here in just a minute. Uh, there we go. Oh, I turned off Jose's name. Who am I? There you go. Uh, okay, so starting in chapter 9, which is the very next verse, and I'm not skipping anything, so it goes from 8.13 right to 9.1. Uh, says, uh, then indeed, even the, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part of, uh, in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. I'm not going to leave anything out. I'm going to read down, right, straight, straight down through so no one can tell me I'm cherry picking verses. <laughs> And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had, uh, had the manna, Aaron's rod that had budded, and the tables of the covenant. Or the tablets of the covenant. Tables of the covenant, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, and above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing, overshadowing the mercy seat. Uh, of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now... When these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. Okay, so we've, we've talked about that the old covenant is going away. Now he's explaining what that covenant was and what is, is being replaced with. And what it was, he's talking specifically about the service of the priests and the bringing of the offering into the mercy seat for the, uh, for the, uh, uh, for the forgiveness of sin, which is the very next, next verse. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. So we're immediately referencing what this covenant is that's being replaced, and it is about the sin committed. Okay, so the covering of sin as the offering. Now, the Holy Spirit indicated this 
um, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. So we're seeing a, a clear comparison right mm-hmm. here where there is something that is about to replace that tabernacle. Right. Okay. Uh, okay, so uh, it was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. So, again, we're going back to the same thing. We're talking Mm -hmm. about being right before God. Now, concerned only with food and drink, various washings and fleshly ordinances, opposed until the time of the Reformation. We're not talking about Martin Luther's Reformation. We're talking about the coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, But now, here's where it gets, gets clear. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. So we're, he's, he's coming with the more perfect tabernacle. Mm-hmm. So it's the replacement of what was with right. what was coming. Um, not, made, uh, not made with human hands. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained, obtained eternal redemption. Whoops. That was not confusing at all. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of, of a heifer sprinkled in the unclean sanctifies uh, for the purity of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, uh, cleanse your conscience from the dead, uh, dead works to serve the living God? Hmm. Then the last verse. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new, new covenant. covenant. By means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. This has nothing to do with no. the law and the prophets. Has nothing nope. to do with the Old Testament. This is all about the the law of sin and atonement, yeah, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Yeah. You know, and if you do a study of all the the elements, like the the showbread and the cherubs, it's all. Um, calling out to the coming Christ, to the coming Messiah. It all, every single piece, I've I've read and watched in depth studies of the old of the Old Testament sacrificial system. It all points to Christ. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying here, the author of Hebrews is saying, now that Christ has come, all that can be done away with because we have the tabernacle not made by hands. That that's what that's talking about. Yep, that which was was foretold is now here, mm-hmm. and so the idea of the 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 process of sin and atonement, the old method is gone. Yep, it is fading away, and the new method is here. That's all he's talking mm-hmm. about, and this is the guide writing to the Hebrew nation. Yeah, so there's no, there is no New Testament justification for the removal of the of the of the Old Testament scriptures. Mm-hmm. None. Nope. Uh, it's. It's it's unbelievable unbelievable to me that he uh, that he moves in the, in that direction and thinks he's doing something so you know so profound yeah uh, you know look at me this is amazing uh, uh, okay so uh, so here's uh, here's how Jesus relates to this um, in Matthew five seven, uh, seventeen through nineteen he says do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets I did not come to destroy but to fulfill mm-hmm. for assuredly I say to you till heaven and earth pass away and these are the words of Jesus right. Um, not one jot or tittle by no means will pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Whoever, therefore, this is, this is scary. 
Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men, uh, teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. But who, forever, who, whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think I want to be great. Yeah, great. I, I don't. Be great. I don't think I want to be uh, the least. Uh, I don't think I want to be the least. Uh, I have enough problems. I don't. Need, <laughs> I don't. I don't need to create more problems for myself no. by teaching something other than the Word of God. Yeah. Um, and the scary thing is, I mean, Scripture says that, that teachers will be judged more harshly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I'm just going to stick to what's written on the page. That's probably yeah, a good idea. I don't, need to, I don't need to make anything up. I don't need to convince myself that God forgot a couple of details, and I'll no. fill them in for him. I don't it's feel like going just, off the map. I'm going to uh, stay on the map. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think the map's a good place to sit. <laughs> uh, but now, so, but the, the idea here is, now you can clearly see how, how one verse was used to twist mm-hmm. and to create permission for a doctrine. Now, the reason why I bring this up is not to just to just uh, have permission to criticize someone. Mm-hmm. It's to show what happens in the life of someone when they let go of the authority of God's word. So when you let go of the authority of God's word, anything becomes permissible. Mm-hmm. You can make per, you can make provision for everything, and then the longer you do this, and the, and the longer the people who are listening to you, who are with you, they will start to give you permission to do amazing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by amazing, I mean Not horrible. Um, but here is uh, what has happened recently, and, I don't, and by recently, I mean just in the last like several months. Mm-hmm. It has been made very, very clear that that Andy Stanley has abandoned all of the standards of morality within Scripture yeah. and has completely affirmed the uh, the homosexual uh, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And we've already shown that there are open homosexuals serving in his church. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't have a problem. I, I think gay people should be in church. Yeah. To hear the gospel, yep. to be reborn, and to be released from that sin. Mm-hmm. That's the, and no different than someone who's got an alcohol problem or a drug right. problem. It's exactly the same thing. But just like I can't allow someone with a drug problem to serve, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I just I, I can't. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to fight the battle, right. then I can't put you in a place of authority. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, got pl- he's got all kinds of people like that serving in his church, and he's, he calls it ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, and when he says uh, it's a more effect- effective evangelism tool, so because uh, you know, uh, look at how many people are here. Of course, they're there. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do anything. They don't have right. to change. They don't have to. They don't even have to repent. All they got to do is know who Jesus is. Guess what? Mm-hmm. The devil knows who Jesus is. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure he's still headed for a bad place. Oh yes. But so here's uh, these are two clips from recent message uh, from different messages that Andy has done over the years, and one of them I believe is called. Um, uh, uh, Ruthie finds truthy, or so, something like that. Mm-hmm. And the the video basically is couched in, in in this way. And I apologize for talking a lot. I'm not trying to keep I, you know. This, this is just this is me ranting. Um, <laughs> so the, this particular video, uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna watch it, and then I'm gonna let you okay. uh, jump in on the end of it. Um, so what's happening here is he's telling that this is the tail end of the story. Um, and I try not to use a lot of his clips in, in length because he gets bent out of shape about it and they file copyright claims and stuff against you, which is really annoying, mm-hmm. um, even though it's fair use law. Um, but um, he's telling the story about this couple that was in his church, and it was a married couple with a, with a, a young daughter. And at some point, the dad figured uh, decided that he was gay. And so he divorced, uh, divorced the wife and then had a boyfriend. And then uh, they wanted to come back to the church, and the wife said no. No, this is this is this is this is my church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's too disruptive for you to be here with 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 your partner. Um, so go to another one. So they went to another campus, also run by North Point Community Church. Mm-hmm. And so they started serving in the church there. They, 
you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> but that's not so. The idea that a known uh, a, a known homosexual couple who divorced wife left his wife and kid mm-hmm. is now at your church, and he and he he kind of celebrates this. You mm-hmm. know, wow, isn't it great? They're coming back, coming back to church as a completely unrepentant uh, a, a couple. Um, with permission to live their life in sin for the rest right. of their life. It's, that's, that's wonderful. Um, he ends up having a problem with the, with the relationship. Right. And I want you to see where the problem is, because this is mind-numbing. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, but this is what happens when you, uh, when you just simply deny the Word of God. So here you go. And as the story goes, the very, if I remember this right, the very first Sunday they showed up at Buckhead Church was our strategic service Sunday. And the strategic service Sunday, we spend the entire time recruiting people to volunteer. And I, you know, I cast a big vision and, you know, we're going to change the world. Come help us change the world. And so my friend's partner said, hey, I like this church. I think we should get involved. So on the first Sunday they're there, they go down and sign up to, to be in strategic service and join a host team, one of our guest services teams. Well, a few weeks go by and I'm checking on her. How's it going? And she said, that's good. You know, we talked about the, you know, she kicked him out of the church and how's that going? You know, and, and she said, well, the, the good news, I guess, is that they're back in church. I said, oh, great. Where? She said, they're going to Buckhead Church. She said, and then she kind of chuckled. And she said, not only that, they're serving. I said, really? She goes, yeah, they joined a host team. Now, what I knew, and I double checked with her to make sure I was correct, was the last I, where we had left off was he, my friend's partner, and he's a friend now, but back then not so much. My friend's partner was still married. And so I said to her, I said, now, he's still married, right? And she said, yeah, the divorce is taking longer than they expect. It's kind of getting dragged out. So I called my buddy and said, okay, I know things have been awkward, you know, between us. But look, uh, and I'm glad you're in church. That's a good thing. And I'm glad you're at one of our churches. You know, that's a good thing. But your partner, he's, he's still married. So see, this is just good old-fashioned adultery. Like you're in a sexual relationship with someone else's husband. Uh, you know, it was, you know, I've never said that before. But anyway, so I said, so you can't be on a guest services team, okay? This is you're just living in, you know, this is this is clear, okay? You can't do this. And he, you know, he he he's, he said, you know, I, I get this. He said, well, and, and it's funny now, it wasn't funny then. He said, well, he's married, but he's almost divorced, okay? We're all he's almost divorced. They're at the very end. I'm like, you can't be almost divorced, okay? You're married or you're not. As long as he's married, you can't serve on a, on a guest services team. And so I kind of you know, kicked him off the team. He said, well, my partner, he's going to be really upset about this because he loved the church and he loved the fact that we were going to be able to connect. I said, well, you know what? I'll, I'll talk to you. If you guys want to come in, I'll, I'll talk to you about this. So they came in to see me. Um, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to even know where to start. It is. So his problem was that, <laughs> that the guy was still married to his straight wife. Right. That's the problem. The problem wasn't that he was in an openly gay relationship. The problem was that he was still married to a straight woman. What? He's he's <laughs> ranking and categorizing sin. He's, as in one is more more worse. One is worse than the other. Yeah. And that's terribly flawed. Yeah. You can't do I mean everyone who serves in a church anywhere in the world battles with sin every single one of us do but to embrace your sin to promote your sin disqualifies you from serving in the church yeah and it does it doesn't even matter what what sin it is now Mm -hmm. imagine if if i just decided you know uh, you know hey um i just i just you know i just can't help it i just like to steal um it's 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 who i am Mm -hmm. it's how i was born uh so i just steal things 
but I love Jesus. So I'm just, you know, you're just going to have to accept me as the thief that I am. Mm-hmm. No one would accept that. No. Pick, pick another sin. You mm-hmm. know, I just, I just like murdering. Right. And, you know, I just, I just can't help it. You know, sometimes I just get mad. I just, I just murder. But you know what? I love Jesus and Jesus forgives me. And therefore, um, you need to accept me as, as the murderer that I am. Mm-hmm. No one would yeah. ever do that. No. So why do we make room for this? You know, and, and I mean that the way, the way it sounds. We're making room mm-hmm. for this sin to be no longer a sin. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. I, it's, it's amazing. It's like, it's like he says, uh, it's like he's trying to say that the Bible's not clear on this. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you know, the Bible's a little hazy on this particular subject. No, no, it's not. Pretty clear in several areas, yeah. Old and New Testament. Yeah. Now, there was uh, a number, uh, a few years ago, there was a... Um, a conference, and uh, uh, there was a man named um, Ryan Visconti, and he went to the went to the conference. And after the conference, he was one of a number of pastors who were uh, invited out at, for a dinner with uh, with Andy Stanley, mm-hmm. like a private dinner. And of course, everyone's just like, "Ooh, I got to go to a private dinner with Andy Stanley." You mm-hmm. know, you know, he was still a celebrity, and everyone everyone was really happy about it. Um, but he, uh, oh, what is what's going on there? I am. Um, he discovered some things in that private dinner that really, really rocked him. Mm-hmm. And so he had put out some um, some tweets and some text messages, and he 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 made them available uh, just in recent months because it's it's become he just couldn't hang on to it anymore, mm-hmm. you know. And so the the first one he puts out is uh, is this. He says, "I just sat in a dinner with Andy Stanley and like fifteen other pastors. Hearing him talk privately about homosexuality is really, really troubling." Basically, he thinks that there are gay people who can't change, and he wants to call it a disability. Mm. Huh. Uh, he said gay, a gay man who wants to be a Christian has three options. One, celibacy with no hope of romance or partnership. He makes that sound tragic as if, romant- as if a romantic relationship is a, a basic human right. Um, two, marry someone of the opposite sex. He says that's a bad idea and rarely lasts. Uh, and three, marry. Listen, marry someone of the same sex. He said. Uh, uh, he said we should make room for those who choose option three within the church, and it is better than promiscuity. That wasn't a. Uh, uh, this wasn't a love everyone no matter uh, where they are sentiment. But he said that's as close to a New Testament framework of marriage as they can get. Are you kidding me? And and essentially what he is saying. So when people say Andy Sandy's not not gay affirming, y- yes he is. Hmm. I'm, I'm sorry if you disagree with it, but yes he is. You you can't just decide that something is now okay with go- uh, no. in, in the eyes of God. Culture does not change God's word. It doesn't. No matter how prevalent things are today in society, it might be so in society, but in the walls of the church. And in the qualifiers for serving in church, they don't change. Yeah. It's the word of God, as yeah. we've said many times today, that's eternal, yeah. and it doesn't change. Yeah. And uh, uh, Ryan Visconti goes on to say a couple of other other things. When he released the information, 
one of the things he's, uh, he, he, uh, he, he puts this out. On September 19, 2019, I was invited to a private dinner with about 15 other pastors at a, at a, a local church in Gilbert, Arizona, to participate with an, uh, in a Q&A with, uh, uh, with, at, with, uh, uh, at Andy Stanley. After he finished speaking at the conference, the subject of homosexuality came up. And over the next one and a half hours, Andy shared over, overtly heretical views that clearly contradict what the Word of God says. And I was shocked to find myself arguing with Andy Stanley. Mm-hmm. You know, how dare we argue with such an amazing man? Uh, along with the other pastors, despite our respect for him, at Andy Stanley, homosexual, what he says is uh, homosexuality is really a disability Using the analogy that telling gay people that they have to stop being gay to follow Christ is like taking a wheelchair away from a guy who can't walk. Um, I don't think that those are the same thing. Not even remotely. And I wonder where he even gets that thought from. I think Calling it a disability. It seems almost insulting to a homosexual saying that you're disabled being a homosexual. Yeah. If, it's just it's 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 pretty amazing. Now he goes on to say this. Um, Andy Stanley said, "I don't do gay weddings, but I can't say that I would never do a gay wedding. If my granddaughter asked me someday, maybe I would." Um, worst of all, Andy Stanley said, "We need to make room for gay men who choose to be married to each other in our churches, because that's as close as they can get to a New Testament framework of marriage." He says, I believe in gay people. Some people are gay. They can't change, directly contradicting 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 9 through 11. Uh, he said, uh, I know I shouldn't let experience dictate my theology, but I have. Maybe I'm wrong. And he says, yes, he is at the end of the tweet. Yeah. I shouldn't let experience dictate my theology. And so and so, what he is admitting, it, what he is, ad, ad, is admitting is that he has a soft spot for people that are, that are in the homosexual community, mm-hmm. and he cannot bring himself to confront them with the word of God. So instead of doing the right thing, which is stepping out of ministry, if you don't mm-hmm. have the stones, do it. Mm-hmm. Get out of the way for someone who can. Right. He changes the word of God yeah. to make room for things that God declares to be detestable. Right. It's it's pretty unbelievable, and then, and some people have said, you know, hey, you know, you need the testimony of two or three witnesses. Here, uh, uh, here are two other pastors who were there at that time uh, who say uh, I was there and corroborate Ryan's uh, recount of the story. Um, the other guy said, replying to R- Ryan Viscani, I was there too. I have been considering a similar post. I remember it well and told my wife. Then it's only a matter of time before he becomes affirming. Mm-hmm. So this is not this is not something new, no. and this, this is something that that many of us, myself included, have been trying to tell people for years mm-hmm. about Andy Stanley. About Andy Stanley for mm-hmm. years, and we get told to shut up because, and and this goes back to some of the flaws in the charismatic movement. Look how big his church is. Yeah, that's not a fruit of the spirit. Nope. What <laughs> love, joy, peace, patience, large church. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> oh, I need to read that passage again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 just insane. It's just absolutely insane. What do you think? I think it's it's so troubling because you know the Bible says that God would give them over to their depravity, and that's exactly what's happening here. Andy Stanley is you could see from the some of his older stuff he started down this road a long time ago, yeah. and now he's becoming more vocal about it. And it's, I mean, where's it going to go from here? 
you know, once you start getting mo- uh, momentum in a certain direction and your church is huge, yeah. that's going to empower him to be even more vocal yeah. about where he's coming from. And the, the, the one gentleman says he's probably going to end up being gay affirming. He, he already is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he, he already it's, is. It's true. Yeah, and the, the sad part is there are so many high-profile Christians that mm-hmm. go to his church. Mm-hmm. I can't I, – I just – I can't wrap my brain around why – I think Chris Pratt goes, goes there. Yeah. Um, I think Jeff Foxworthy goes there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a there's a number of and I, and maybe it's just you know it's big and it's it's where they it's where they live you know, right. live you know. But at the same time, if you're going to say I am a follower of Christ and I go to this church and it's a church that's not even preaching the truth mm-hmm. of Christ, right? How can you how can you rightfully stand up and say yes? I know I'm a devout Christian because I follow what I follow in the teachings of my of mm-hmm. my pastor. This is. This is a dangerous, dangerous Very much so. place. Uh, now, this last clip. Let's see, where are we at this point? Yeah, I think we're doing pretty good. This last clip, I think, kind of opens the door. This is what he spoke at a drive conference. Um, I think just a couple of months ago. And uh, uh, listen, listen carefully to what he's what he's saying. Now, now, just so that you know, the the entire video of this message, and the only the reason why there's only clips of this mm-hmm. is because it came down lightning fast. Mm-hmm. People saw it and they realized how unbelievably heretical these views were, and they immediately started um, uh, condemning it. And so the the ministry just took it down. Right. Uh, so there's only clips mm-hmm. that are that are left, which uh, you know, obviously, it's a message that he must you know really love and stands by because it disappeared <laughs> so quickly. Right. So here we go. I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff. But just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. God said no and they still love God. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who want to worship with us. And I know the verses. I know the clobber passages, right? We got to figure this out. And you know what? I think you are. I think you wouldn't come to a conference like this or you wouldn't have come back, right? Okay. So before I switch it over, mm-hmm. look at the screen that is his, on the stage next to him. It says, leading our churches to acknowledge that there are gay people not just straight people with a sin problem. Now, here's the funny thing. I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. That's a true statement. Yeah. There are straight people, not just, you know, uh, not there, there are, everyone has a sin problem. Yeah. But that's not the question. No. The question is, by what standard should we be living? Like, I know I have a sin problem, so you fight it. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, cl- clobber passages? Clobber passages. Yes. That's great. And um, when they say he says that they're worshiping God, they're worshiping a God of their own image. They're not saying the word of God is true. They're denying the truth of Scripture. Yeah. And the the the, the word of God is sharper than two any two edged sword. It cuts when we read it. It hurts my flesh to read the word of God in context and read it in, for all it's worth. And it's it's a it's a battle. The the fight of fight the fight of faith is a fight, 
You know, we all have to die daily to ourselves and, and uh, submit our knee, bow our knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and all that, all that He is. And it's, He's trying to separate the Word of God by His own desires and make it say what it doesn't say. Mm-hmm. And He's, and he's uh, promoting lifestyles that are anti Scripture. And you, you see things like, uh, let me get to the actual passage here, uh, John fourteen fifteen. Whoops, not 215. Uh, just so that you can see it mm-hmm. within the passage itself. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you a helper that may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the word cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells within you and will be with you. Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. The idea that they cannot change Mm -hmm. is an out-and-out lie. Yeah. You know, and um, my own website, uh, uh, John 547 Now, it's actually 46 and 47 is what I want to show you. It says, For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Mm-hmm. That is absolutely in direct contradiction to mm-hmm. everything that Andy Stanley is talking exactly. about right there. Yep. You, you cannot believe what I am telling you without believing the writings of Moses. Mm-hmm. You cannot separate the two, but mm-hmm. he wants to separate the two mm-hmm. because the Old Testament is full of clobber passages where we're just beating people over the head right. and letting them know how much we don't love them uh, because we're all horrible, terrible, evil people um, who need to be you know, subject to the governing authorities or, or something. Um, it's amazing. And it, it honestly doesn't surprise me that his church is as big as it is. Oh, yeah. Um, whether or not it's filled with believers, I think, is up, is up for grabs, mm-hmm. and that's not an indictment on the people who are going there. Mm-hmm. I don't know the hearts of them. But I find it hard to believe that solid believers would sit under that kind of teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I just, I just, I just do. I can't see anyone with discernment listening to that and going, mm-hmm. "What a genius!" Mm-hmm. You know, I can see people who, with no discernment, thinking, "You know, oh, gee, what a man of God! He just wants to love everybody. Mm-hmm. God wants to love everybody, but yeah. He's also going to judge everybody." Yep. You know, and he's going to judge them by the standards of his word. And when we declare that word to be of, of little or no value. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the, the, the previous verse you read, it says that when we come to the Lord, he'll give us the, whole, the helper. You know, we all need the helper. Mm-hmm. No matter what sin we're caught in, he's there to help us. But we have the free will to reject that help. And if we reject that help and say, well, God didn't really mean what he said in that verse, in that clobber passage, he didn't really mean what he said, he's going to let us walk that, he's going to let us walk that trail. Well, maybe Paul was wrong. <laughs> A lot of people believe that. People think that Paul was not, <laughs> was, Paul's writings are being dismissed by a large amount of professing Christians. Mm-hmm. Because they're inconvenient. Mm-hmm. But we have to learn to understand the word of God as it was and it has always been the same thing. It has always been the foundation of everything that God has done yes, in relationship to his creation, mm-hmm. and that's us. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, the last verse I'll put up is Psalm 11.3, um, and it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Yeah. And you think about that in terms of you know, what, we're, what we're talking about here in the authority of Scripture. The authority of Scripture, not just Scripture, mm-hmm. 
Because, like I said, you can, you can find anything you want yeah. in, in there. But the authority of Scripture, mm-hmm. if that is not our foundation, then, then we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, because if it's, I mean, you can argue about Calvinism and, and sure. uh, versus free will and, you know, cessationism versus continuation. It, all mm-hmm. that stuff is, is, is wonderful and fun and whatever. Who cares? Right. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, big yeah, picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, but at the end of the day, if we can, if, if, if we just focus on the, the preaching of Christ mm-hmm. and we, you know, we focus on the gospel message, which is, you know, uh, uh, the Rich Mullen songs. I believe in God the Father, mm-hmm. Almighty Maker of heaven and maker, maker of earth, and Jesus Christ is only begotten. You know, mm-hmm. we follow that pattern. We are God's creation. We fell. Mm-hmm. God is making a way for us to to come back to Him. Mm-hmm. Christ is that way. Christ arrives. He does everything that that we were told that He was supposed to do. Fulfills all the requirements of the Messiah. Yep. And if we put our faith in Him, turn from our wicked ways mm-hmm. and walk according to His teachings, we are saved. Yes. Uh, if if we just get back to that, mm-hmm. that's fine. But I think where people like Andy Stanley and honestly even Bill Johnson. Um, as we looked at in other series, and we didn't look at them today, but go back to the earlier ones and you'll see it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a hard time preaching repentance mm-hmm. because repentance means you have to believe you just did something wrong. Right. That you're not good enough as you used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's just a difficult truth. But we got to be humble. You know, when we come to the Word of God, we got to be humble, humble enough to realize I'm probably wrong. I'm definitely wrong about some stuff, but I could be wrong about other stuff too. Mm-hmm. And we come to the Word of God, we got to realize that as okay, Lord, you show me who I am. This mirror I'm holding up to me as I read it, what is not matching up? And then we repent of that sin. Yeah, and repentance is not simply so. The word repent means to to uh, to change your change your mind, to change mm-hmm. your thinking. Some people think it just, it's not like I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry, God, you caught me. I'm sorry. Well, he he catches you every day. Yeah. You know, he sees everything. Um, but repentance, the idea of changing your mind, is not just simply being like, yeah, okay, I'll think about that differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. No, or like changing my mind. Oh, you know what? I used to think homosexuality was wrong. But you know what? I've changed my mind. I think it's that's, that is not what it's talking about. Right. Changing our mind means letting our old way of thinking die, mm-hmm. the death it deserves, and then picking up and, and learning how God thinks. Right. Romans 12 be transformed by the renewing of your mind. mind. Transform the way you think. Mm-hmm. Throw out the garbage that you grew up with and pick up what it means to be a believer. Yes. And and that means following in the, the footprints of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, I mean, I mean, granted, salvation is only the marker in the lane. You know, you don't get any points for it. But, Lord, help him. Oh, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Final thoughts. Um, I think this is important to discuss because Andy Stanley has a huge church and he has a huge following online as well. Same with Bill Johnson and every one of us can be deceived. Every single one of us have the potential to be deceived and to hear thoughts that contradict your own should be something that we're open to Mm -hmm. and to be challenged on our thoughts and how we how we see the world and how we see things in, in today. And then as we, as you and I come together, we're, we're, we're nobodies. We're just guys who, who love God and try are trying to live our lives by his word. And we value his word. Mm-hmm. And we think we see it as the authority as it, as it is. So as we come together and we discuss these things, I really pray that people, you know, listen, 
with an open heart and an open Bible yeah. and, and want to understand more of why well, I could be wrong in this. And Lord, show me. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's difficult, especially as a pastor and someone who's, you know, yeah. someone who's been in the church for a while and you, and you see this stuff. The, the hard part for me, and the, my, my last thought on this, is understanding how, uh, so we, we live in a, in a country, in a nation, where we have more Christian resources available to us right now mm-hmm. than at any other point in time in history Absolutely. combined. It's, it's unreal how many good resources are available to us, but how biblically ignorant we are. Mm-hmm. We're very religious, mm-hmm. you know, and religion is nothing more than a method. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a Baptist, that's a method. If you're, right. you know, if you're a Methodist, it's a method. <laughs> you know, if you're a charismatic, it's a method, yes. you know. And it, but that's that's religion. Mm-hmm. But we're called to relationship, yes, sir. Which means getting to know and getting to understand the character and nature of God, mm-hmm. and and being able to apply that truth to our lives and live and, and live and walk that out with one another. Mm-hmm. But as a nation, we have drifted so far away True. from the understanding of God. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's maddening, mm-hmm. you know. And you try as, as a pastor, you try so hard. To teach people, uh, I, I I tell people from the plat- from the podium all the time. I am not much of a preacher. I'm a teacher, mm-hmm. which some people find boring. Mm-hmm. They want a pep rally on Sunday. Right. You know, they want a good message and a couple of jokes and mm-hmm. you know and, and 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 music and a fog machine and all that and what, whatever. <laughs> you know, uh, instead of just learning what it means to be a Christian and how to walk that out on a daily on a right. daily basis, it's it's difficult. But we we hunger for entertainment mm-hmm. we don't hunger for relationship mm-hmm. and and this just goes just goes to show people flock to these guys mm-hmm. and 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 this is going to sound harsh but i don't see that they have anything of lasting value mm-hmm. they may have good advice for nice social movements but we're talking about eternity mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about where you end up when you die are you going to the good place or to the not good place. Mm-hmm. Um, and our job is to populate heaven, right. not to make people comfortable on earth. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. You know, oh, yeah. I always try to remind myself that Jesus says he did not come um, to bring peace. He came to, he brought a sword. A sword, yep. He brought that sword to divide. And we're all, and, and the sword throughout scripture is always the same thing. It's the word of God. Mm-hmm. And the word of God does not... This is going to sound horrible. <laughs> the word of God does not bring large-scale unity. Mm-mm. It divides. It does. And it divides clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either on this side yes. or you're on that side. As, G, as, the, as, as the word of God says, there is no middle ground. Right. You know, there's, there's no safe neutral center, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm, I'm undecided. No, an undecided is a no. Right. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's just silly. But we, we need... We need the truth that is only found in the pages of Scripture. And yeah. we need to value that above the words of any man. Well, everybody, thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, hit that like button and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.